This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome to NFL Friday, the wild card round edition, the first of our playoff episodes. I'm Tom Scabelli calling in alongside David Spampanato, and then in studio is Reed Horner for the double duty. Reed's producing and going to talk with us today. Guys, I don't know about you, but I am pumped that playoff football is back. Yeah, pretty interesting playoffs this year. I don't think anyone would have guessed that this is the result we would have gotten you know, back in September. Yeah, I think yeah, I playoff football is always fun, but to be honest, this Giants game is the only exciting playoff game out of the four that's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, I guess that's true. And uh, Well, Ra- Raiders-Texans isn't going to be exciting, but it'll be close. I'm I'm super excited for that one. I, I Tom, I know you're a big AFC South guy, so I, I bet you're probably pumped for that one. Oh, I forgot you have that weird AFC South <laughs> fetish, Tom. It's, and with, <laughs> with like third-string quarterback, that game... That game was a lot for Saturday at 4.30. You can see that coming from a mile away. So <laughs> I'm excited. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah. And then, you know, Pittsburgh-Miami. Miami's been red hot lately. And Matt Moore's been pretty good. So that'll be another interesting one. Even though the AFC has been pretty bad for, like, the past five years. But we'll see. I mean, interesting teams, good matchups. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to preview all these games. We'll eventually start with the Giants and we'll do the other NFC game, Lions, Seahawks, and we'll head over to the AFC, but you know, I think before we do any of that, I know that this is our playoff show, but we are also a New York uh, radio station, so we want to talk about our local teams, and the Jets wrapped up their season last week with a win, which dropped them a, a spot or so in the draft order, so they couldn't even lose when they needed to. But uh, it, it was definitely a forgettable season for the Jets, and you know we're not going to spend uh, too much time talking about them. But uh, let's talk Jets for a little bit. All right. So, like we said, the Jets finished at five and eleven this season, and Christian Goey, our Jets beat reporter, had his Jets reports all season long. Wrapped it up with his final Jets report of the season. Well, it's finally over. The 2016-17 Jets season ended with a 30-10 victory over Buffalo on New Year's Day. The team finished 5-11 on the season in what was expected by many to be a playoff contending year. Essentially, it was a complete failure. The offense and surprisingly the defense were in shambles all season. So now it's time to rebuild, and that means both the staff and the roster. Offensive coordinator Chan Gailey retired and numerous other assistants were fired. The Jets have the number six pick in the draft and can create cap room by cutting numerous veterans, including guys like Revis, Brandon Marshall, and others. So they have flexibility, but by doing that, they have more holes to fill. Owner Woody Johnson and GM Mike McKagan spoke to the media Thursday and didn't say a whole lot, but both did point out that they will build through the draft. Johnson also said he's confident in McKagan and head coach Todd Bowles. Look, I can talk about all the needs the Jets have to fill, but football is pretty simple. You need to hit on three positions, general manager, head coach, and quarterback. I only feel good about one of those, and that's general manager Mike McCagnan. The jury is still out on Todd Bowles, and quite frankly, I don't believe he's anything special. But a coach's success is so dependent on the play of his quarterback. Just compare this year to last year with Fitzpatrick. 
ESPN reported last week that an anonymous Jets coach said second-round pick Christian Hackenberg couldn't hit the ocean. Bowles, McCagden, and Johnson have all pretty much defended Hackenberg. Still, it makes you wonder if Hackenberg has a future. This regime is no different than any other. Their success will depend on whether they finally find that franchise quarterback. Maybe they should draft another one. Maybe they should just sign a veteran and let Petty and Hackenberg duke it out. Or maybe they should trade for Tony Romo. It doesn't matter how, they just need to get it done. Anyway, despite the Jets' struggles, it was a pleasure to cover the team. So for one last time, covering the... I'm Christian Goey, WFUV Sports. All right, thanks to Christian for his Jets report. He did a great job with them all season long. Probably not the best season to be covering the Jets. He finished 5-11. and Really, from, one, from the early weeks on, it never really looked like they were going to be playoff contenders. So kudos to him for going to eight, well, seven of those games. I know, Reed, you went last week. So, Reed, I'll open it up to you. What did you think of that game last week against Buffalo? You were there. I have never seen a more boring atmosphere and a more boring football game. I know the Jets won with a blowout, but the atmosphere in the in at least the media room at first was as if everyone had to go, but no one wanted to be there. Then once we got in the locker room, the only thing anyone cared about was Revis. It was everyone clearing out their lockers, getting there, getting out of there as fast as possible, and the media just all over Revis from the moment he got started changing, honestly. I think something that would have made it a little more interesting is maybe if they threw Christian Hackenberg into that game, because then that would have created a little bit of discussion, say he had a, a good game or a bad game, you know, whatever end of the spectrum he ended up on. It would have maybe stirred up a little discussion for next season, for Christian Hackenberg possibly being in the quarterback discussion. Yeah, absolutely, because now the Jets are kind of in like quarterback limbo going into the offseason. They don't really know what they have. I mean, it's pretty clear. Bryce Petty isn't the quarterback of the future. You have to assume Fitzpatrick is gone. But they did spend a second-round pick on Hackenberg. So that is a pretty heavy investment to take in a quarterback. And, you know, they're all going to pick six. So they'll probably be able to get a quarterback, whether it's Kaiser, Watson, or Trubisky. But the question is, do they want one or do they want to ride Hackenberg? Can you take a quarterback in the second round one year, not have him play at all, and then take a quarterback in the first round next year? I don't know. Look, the Jets, this, the, every year they kind of keep doing the same thing. They'll draft a guy in the second round, give him a little bit of a shot. You know, look at Geno, look at Bryce Petty. Uh, you know, you can look at Hackenberg now. And then they always end up signing a veteran, stands in for about three, four years, has a good year or two, and then he's out. Brett Favre, Christian Hack, uh, not Christian Hackenberg, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And now if they end up signing a guy like Tony Romo or Jay Cutler, it might just end up being the same thing, and it's just a continuous rotation for the Jets. So hopefully they don't do that. What I thought was interesting is right after the game, it was confirmed, or at least the Jets confirmed, that Bowles was going to return for another season. So yeah. we knew going into his kind of post-game interview, last season interview, that he was going to be there next year. But then he was asked about Hackenberg, you know, because there was a leak from within his staff to ESPN saying that Hackenberg was so inaccurate he couldn't even hit the ocean if he threw a ball into it, which is not what you want as an organization. Bull said yeah, he, he said he said that claim was ridiculous and not true, but that's his job to say that. I don't know why someone would make that up if it weren't the case. And by the fact that you guys are right, they didn't play him at all, even in a meaningless game like we just saw them play against yeah. the Bills, that does not bode well. So... My prediction's always been, I think they're going to go for Romo. Romo's going to choose probably either Denver or Arizona, and they're going to end up getting Jay Cutler and doing exactly what you just said, David. 
That yeah. would be. Uh, I mean, I think they need a young. You can't. They're not. I don't think they're a good enough team where they're just like a veteran quarterback away from being content. I mean, you put Jake Cutler on this team, the same team as uh, they had this season. It's not like they're a playoff team next year. They're still winning, you know, well, seven games. What if they keep Brandon Marshall? You know, those guys are a long time. Well, they were teammates way ago, a long time ago in Denver. Would that not be kind of a connection? That yeah, happen? that's. I mean, I didn't really think of that. I mean, that's a pretty good point. But what are you guys' thoughts on the possibility of because six they have, they're going to have the sixth pick in the draft that might be a little high for Deshaun Watson so either they could reach for him or trade back or you know maybe they take Leonard like Fournette I, I, I think Watson's Watson. good but I don't know if he's a long term guy in the NFL like, I don't know if he's going to be like that Winston or Mariota like these guys that we've seen come in and be outstanding yeah well what they could do is maybe what I was thinking is go with a Petty Hackenberg duo for for next season and obviously they'll be awful but that's that's fine because then the 2018 class is you know kind of more loaded with quarterbacks josh rosen lamar jackson if he ends up being uh, a quarterback prospect uh sam Darnold from usc so maybe yeah. they kind of wait to get more of a short thing and kind of just forfeit uh you know this year i think that you're completely right um Going for a quarterback in the first round would be good, but there's not a single quarterback in this draft so far that's been evaluated as a first-round talent. So I think if you're the Jets, you don't take another risk on a guy that's a fringe first-round pick. You go with someone like Fournette and get your running game going, establish that, and then you're completely right, Tom. Look into 2018 where there will be prospects and then get someone there. So you sign maybe a Jay Cutler and get a good rookie running back. You may not win a Super Bowl next year, but you don't take a step back and you hopefully will just either holding your place or taking a small step forward to when you can get a franchise quarterback and then take that giant leap forward and maybe even leapfrog over the Patriots in a couple of years. Yeah, I agree. It's not. It's a pretty good way of thinking, but Todd Bowles is basically creating his own pink slip by doing that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. and same, thing with, same thing goes for Mike McCagna. I heard him talk on Boomer and Carton this morning, and he kind of had a lot of nothing to say. So I'm not sure what direction they're headed in. I don't even know if he knows. So... It'll be very, very interesting to see. Do you guys agree with keeping both? Uh, I think it's tricky. I mean, are there any coaching? You know, are, are there any coaches out there that could take over and do a better job than Todd Bowles? I don't know. And plus, he had a ten and six season a year ago. So, if you asked me in week twelve, I would have said get him out right now. After they lost to the Colts, I would have said get him out. But at you know finishing the season. I guess it, it was the right decision to keep him. That's that was that's kind of the perfect way to phrase it. I said this last week, too, before we found out Bowles was going to come back, is that even if he's not the guy you thought he was going to be, if you don't have a better replacement, why get rid of him? Yeah. And second, thing- Well, second of all, if you're looking for one day to get a better coach, do you think by firing a coach every year or two years that really shows loyalty to your hiring as, a, as an organization would make a big-time coach want to take a risk on you guys? You know, if you continuously fire coaches, it's going to go around the league that, oh, hey, the Jets don't give you a chance. Don't go there. You're not going to have more than a year. So hiring Bowles, letting him stay for one more year is just as much to secure their next coach as it is keeping him. Yeah, I mean, those, those are good points. The, oh, and I, I think, I guess, keeping Bowles is the right move, but the only reason I think that maybe he he could have been or even should have been should be fired is the fact that how much the locker room kind of spiraled out of control with all the Sheldon Richardson stuff, guys not showing up to meetings, practicing late, and all that. I just think that when you lose the locker room that much, it's kind of tough to come back from that and gain your respect within you know That's from your team point. for next season. 
So that's the only thing that I think is, you know, a means to that would justify firing him. Yeah, I mean, the Sheldon Richardson point is definitely a good one for the fact that he just seemed like he didn't care. He played like he didn't care. He had an awful season, probably one of the most disappointing guys this season. But for a guy like that, there's only so much you can do to keep him in check. Right. No, I'm not just saying just because of Sheldon Richardson. I yeah, mean, every yeah. team's going to have a guy like that. But, it, you know, the reports were that it was, it was kind of locker room-wide. I think, I think we're all kind of on the same page that if you want to use an analogy like a car, like he's a low-end beat-up car, but you don't want to trade your car in for a bike. You know, you're not going to get anything better. Yeah. So, so stick with this I, car until you can save it and buy the Ferrari. I, lo- I love a good analogy, Reese. That was <laughs> I try, Tom. I try. All right. Any uh, last last words on the Jets before we move on to the New York football team that is playing playoff football? That's all I got. That was yeah. plenty of time on the Jets, finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's uh, talk Giants Packers. So New York football will not be playoff list yet again. The Giants are back in the playoffs for the first time in five years. New York went four whole seasons without having any team in the playoffs. Finally, that drought is over. Giants-Packers, I think it's definitely the best game of the week. I talked about that, reviewed their season, and and previewed their playoff as a whole ahead in this week's Giants report. It's been a five-year-long wait, but the New York Giants are back in the playoffs. The last time the Giants played a playoff game, it ended with Eli Manning hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Their journey towards their fifth Super Bowl victory continues Sunday in Green Bay. It's been quite the season for Big Blue. They started off 2-0 but then stumbled. There were the Josh Brown and Odell Beckham controversies and on the field the Giants lost three straight. But the G-Men finished the season on a 9-2 run behind a shutdown defense and a stagnant but good enough offense. The Giants enter the playoffs with tons of talent on both sides of the ball and momentum, but they're running into the hottest team in football, the 10-6 Packers, who have won six straight behind MVP contender Aaron Rodgers. The Giants have won at Lambeau during their two most recent Super Bowl runs, but it's still a very tall task that lies ahead. Rodgers is maybe the best quarterback in football, and it'll be well below freezing in Green Bay. But I do think the Giants are a better team. They boast maybe the best defense in football, they'll be able to get some pressure on Rodgers, and the lockdown secondary will make it tough for him to find open receivers. And it's important to run the ball well in the cold, where the Giants clearly have an edge. Paul Perkins is getting better each week, while all-pro Damon Harrison and company should have no problem stuffing a weak Packers run game. I also think we see playoff Eli show up, and I'm expecting a huge game from a fired-up Odell in his first-ever playoff action. My gut says this Giants team will be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy in Houston. That's my official prediction. But if they're going to lose a game along the way, I think it's this Sunday. But I'll go optimistic and say the Giants do win 20-17. to With this week's Giants report, I'm Tom Scabelli, WFUV Sports. All right, that's my Giants support for this week. As you could hear, I I am picking them to win in Green Bay. I don't know if you you want to call it big blue bias or whatever you want to call it, but 
I just honestly think the Giants are a better team than the Packers. And I know how talented Aaron Rodgers is and how hot he is. And I know, you know, playing at Lambeau isn't tough, but Giants have won at Lambeau before. And I just think that there's more talent on their team than there is on the Packers. But like I said, I think this is, if the Giants are going to lose at all this in this postseason, I think it's going to be this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the only issue with the Giants right now is that they're running into the wrong team at the wrong time. The Packers right. are the hottest team in football. There's no doubt about that. They've won six in a row. And Aaron Rodgers has gone from people calling for his job and saying maybe they got to look for a replacement for the future to being maybe the front runner for MVP. Yeah, that should yeah, show you, though, people's overreaction with Rodgers. Yeah that um, the Packers, they're going to be fine when you have one of the most talented quarterbacks in history. But I'm not with you in saying that I think that even if just because they're on momentum, I don't know how much that matters going into this game just because I have so much confidence in this Giants team. I'll be the first to admit, starting off the season, even going into it, I called them the NFL Ponzi scheme, as in their numbers did not add up to the success they had. But they continuously proved me wrong. And I've come full circle now, and I'm all in on this Giants team. And I think that the potential for that in the, for them in this playoffs can be as high as playing in Houston come February. I mean, I'm that confident in them. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have the talent to, to make a serious run. And you look around the rest of the NFC, I don't think there's a team that you look at and are like, oh, no way the Giants can beat that team, the best team in the conference is Atlanta, or is uh, Dallas, rather, and they beat them twice already. And, you know, Seattle could be tough. Atlanta could be tough. Green Bay will be tough. But all these teams are beatable. And, you know, if the Giants are going to play up to their potential, if their defense is going to play as well as they played all season, if the offense can just get going a little bit, if we can see playoff Eli instead of, you know, him having one of his worst regular seasons that he's had recently, then there's no team the Giants can't beat. But the question is, you know, what's going to happen – Sunday with the Giants' offense because you look at these two teams and they're kind of polar opposites. The Packers' offense is really good and their defense is bad, and the Giants' offense probably isn't as bad as the Packers' defense is, but they've really underperformed. But their defense could be the best in football, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. But I, you know, we, we talked about um, some of these other games briefly. I think this is by far the, the best matchup of the week. Yeah, I, I think I agree with the fact that if the Giants can get past the Packers. They'll, they have a good shot at Houston, and their odds go up considerably. But the problem lately for the Giants, well, really all season, has been that Eli hasn't had that game when it's like, oh, there's Eli. That's what we've been waiting for. And other than I think he, I mean, he played well in Detroit. Other than that, he, I can't look at a game where I've been like, man, Eli played great. And like you said, playoff Eli and regular season Eli are different guys, but he's got to do it right from the get-go. Yeah, well, that the Giants are far from perfect, but I will say I did a little bit of research and looked back at the two teams that won the Super Bowl with Eli because I, if you, you guys obviously know, those teams that won weren't expected to win either, and they're right. surprisingly similar. Eli Manning's quarterback rating, for example, um, in 07 was 73 and 11 was 92, and this year he's around mid-80s. And his touchdown-to-interception ratios seems about the same. All three Giants teams were defensively led. And funny, fun fact, they all three had winning records against the AFC. So even though this Giants team isn't perfect, they're constructed perfectly for a Giants Super Bowl winning team, at least what history has told us. Yeah, I think the difference... 
between us, you know, speaking on the defensive side, I think the difference is that the pass rush probably isn't as good this season as it was the past two because they had really a bunch of guys that get to the quarterback on those past two teams. And especially without Jason Pierre-Paul now, I think they're, they're not as strong as they were. They still have a good pass rush, but it's not as strong as the past two. I think what makes them better is the secondary. The Giants have not had this good of a secondary in for as long as I can remember, at least, you know, in my lifetime. So you got Dominic Rogers, Cromarty. He's a playmaker. Janoris Jenkins has become a shutdown corner. Landon Collins, probably the best safety in football. They, they had decent secondaries those years, but, you know, even though their pass rush isn't as good this year, they more than make up for it with their defense. Tom, do you, do you think it's more important for the Giants then to have a good defensive line and pass rush, or would you prefer them to have this elite secondary instead? Uh, I, I always think a pass rush is kind of the most important thing, but I don't know, maybe the way the game is changing with all the ticky-tacky, you know, calls, it is better to have a secondary that, you know, you can trust no matter what. I think for this Packers matchup, I would rather have the pass rush because Aaron Rodgers, you know, his offensive line seems to always get him a bunch of time, and I hate watching him scramble around for 10 seconds back there. And especially, you know, without Jason Pierre-Paul this week, I think that's going to be really frustrating to watch, but you know, the other side of that coin is that um, the other side of that coin is that you know he may not have any open receivers downfield if the secondary can cover them that well. Yeah, just to chime in on that, um, I think it really starts with the pass rush because I think if you get a good pass rush, you can make the secondary look a lot better. And in the Giants' case, they have both. So a good pass rush creates a good secondary. A good pass rush makes the secondary even better. If you get what I'm saying, a little bit. But Janoris Jenkins yeah. banged up a little bit. Um, you know, as is Randall Cobb on the other side. So that'll be a bit of a concern for the Giants. I think he'll be okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, injuries going down the list, it's just a little bit – it's just everyone's a little banged up as far as that goes. So, But Tenoris Jenkins has missed the game. He's had a little bit of trouble with that injury. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that'll go. Yeah, it's going to be – I think Jenkins should be okay. I mean, he says he feels great. Who knows what that actually means? But I wish Jason Pierre Paul was healthy. Then I'd feel really confident in this game. Not having him, you know, is going to hurt a little bit. Like you said, the Dogs and Giants don't have a capable pass rush. I mean, Olivia yeah. Vernon has been fantastic. Oguar has had some nice moments. So they're definitely going to be able to get to Rodgers a little bit, and they'll pressure him, especially if they bring the blitz, maybe with some outside linebackers, or I know they like to blitz playing the Collins sometimes. So. I think that they'll be able to get to Aaron Rodgers a bit. The question is, will they be able to get to him enough or keep him uncomfortable all day and not just let him sling it around Lambeau? Well, my question my question would be not just Rodgers, but say they win this game, and who knows, maybe they go as far as the Super Bowl and they meet a certain golden boy named Tom Brady. We've known the way they've beaten him in the past is get Tom Brady on his butt before he can throw the ball. And I would just question that even if your secondary is better, when you play an elite quarterback like him or Rodgers, or even Dak's nowhere near elite, but he's been very efficient, if you give those kind of quarterbacks time, isn't that, no matter how good your secondary is, if a quarterback has enough time, he'll find an open receiver. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, that's why they need the pass rush so strong. But, I mean, should, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but should they meet whoever in the playoffs, uh, in the Super Bowl, Jason Pierre-Paul would be back by then. I think he may even be back in the divisional round should they make it. So, I think having him back would put their pass rush at a level at least sort of comparable to the two championship teams. So I think they would be able to get to the quarterback. Um, but I think not having him this week is, is really bad timing. I mean, if they were playing someone like you know Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, who wasn't as mobile, then you know, maybe you don't need JPP as badly. But 
Aaron Rodgers, not that he's going to run for 100 yards, but he likes to extend plays with his feet, and he will take it upfield sometimes. So that's why I really do wish that they had him. But, you know, Spags can get creative with the defense. He can bring some blitzes. So I have I have the utmost faith in this defense overall, even though it's against Aaron Rodgers. My concerns more lie with the outfit. They're, they're also in Lambeau, too, though. Remember, that's going to be different, the cold weather. Yeah. I actually saw, I don't know if you guys saw this report. I wanted to see your reaction to it, but that the Giants were practicing with, quote-unquote, frozen balls at practice getting ready for Lambeau, so they would freeze the balls literally and then have Eli and the receivers throw and catch them. What do you think about approaches like that? Is that crazy or? <laughs> football guy move from Ben McAdoo. Yeah, that's definitely a Ben McAdoo football guy move like we've seen all season. But. I mean, I think it's all mental. I mean, if you, uh, Eli can play in the cold. We've all, you know, he's he's plays in New York. We've seen him do it time and time again. So if you can just mentally get over that, I guess it's fine. But I mean, not a bad, not a bad idea for McAdoo. I don't see how it can cause any harm. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's supposed to be like what two degrees? Is that the forecast? Something like that. I mean, yeah. The Giants are they've won in Lambeau. You know, the, the, both their recent Super Bowl runs, they had to go through Lambeau. That's what I told myself. I was rooting for Detroit Sunday night, so I would have rather went there for the Giants' sake. But uh, I, I was thinking, yeah, well, maybe the Giants just can't win a Super Bowl unless they go through Lambeau Field. So just kind of just kind of think like that. But uh, Lambeau's tough. It's such a tough place to play. But I think if it is cold, and, and it is going to be cold, that I think gives an advantage to the Giants because – That'll make their defense even more lethal. That'll maybe make Aaron Rodgers, you know, make it harder for him to throw the ball deep downfield. I think if you want to compare running games, neither team has a great running game, but I think you have to give the edge to the Giants in that one, especially with Paul Perkins coming on recently at the 100-yard rushes last week. And the Packers kind of have a rotation of guys, you know, with Teddy Lacey out. Yeah, and additionally, for the Giants' defense, Snacks Harrison – is probably single-handedly stopping that rush. He's been outstanding in run stop, so that'll yeah. be huge for the Giants as well. And the Packers are going to have to take note of that for sure because last week they were running the ball very efficiently against the Detroit Lions, and they're facing a different monster this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it it starts with stopping the run. I think for the Giants, you don't let the run beat you because if you're going to get you, – you can kind of figure that Aaron Rodgers is going to get his, but – you're going to get dashed in the running game too, and then there's no way that they're going to win this game. And that's why I think if I'm if I'm the Packers, I would try to establish a run early. But I think we're going to end up ultimately seeing Rodgers sling the ball like 50 times because they know that they can't really run the ball. I know how cold it's going to be, but you know maybe if the Giants' pass rush isn't clicking, I wouldn't be shocked if we just see Rodgers continue to drop back, drop back. He's you know, an MVP, could be the MVP this season, get the ball in his hands as much as possible. So it's like a manning Rodgers shootout, like a high-scoring affair, or is there just going to be a lot of throwing and no scoring? I, I think it's going to be pretty low score. My, my official pick, we'll, we'll do, I guess, some, well, let's each give our official pick now. My official pick is going to be Giants 20, Packers 17. Uh, and it comes down to, I just think the Giants are the more talented team I know how well that Aaron Rodgers is playing. I know how well the Packers as a whole are playing. But something about this Giants team I, I just think could be special. And between the defense, Paul Perkins coming on, Odell Beckham in his first playoff game, I think we'll finally see playoff Eli. And I think when this team's firing all cylinders, they can beat anyone. And that includes the Packers, obviously. Yeah, I've been back and forth, like, all week. Um you know, I, I, this was an unpopular opinion of mine last week, but I said that I would have rather faced Seattle in Seattle than a hot Green Bay team. Regardless, 
I think the Giants. Yeah, I know you were pretty big on not facing Seattle, but yeah. I think the Giants will pull it out. I'm going to say 17-14. Um, I'm going to say 17-14 Giants. What's that? That's Super Bowl 42 stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to say 17-14 Giants. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know how you can say this game would be anything more than a one-possession difference. So what do you got, Reed? Yeah, I have a little bit more high scoring than you guys. As you said, both quarterbacks have played in the cold multiple times, obviously Rodgers being a Green Bay quarterback. So I don't think that's really going to hurt them too much. And I see the Giants edging out 27-24, maybe say a last-second field goal, something like that, and they're going to advance. I, I'm, I've been so nervous all week. You know, I'll be thinking about other stuff, and then I'll see a tweet or something about the game, and I'll just want to throw up. I, I'm, I'm so nervous. It, it's going to be such a tough game. Oh, don't be yeah. nervous, Tom. See, you know what? You could be a Jets fan, and you could just be demoralized at home watching the Patriots play. So think on the bright side. They're in the playoffs. They have a chance. It's, I mean, it's great to have like Giants playoff football back. I know Reed, you get to experience it every year with with the Patriots, but for me and David, I mean, this, this doesn't come around every year. Yeah, we're soaking it in right now, and I don't know how long we'll have to soak it in, but hopefully it'll be a while. Though, to the, I can speak for the entire Patriots fan base when I say when the Giants do make the playoffs, no one in Boston is happy. <laughs> yeah, everyone just sweats yeah. a little bit more. <laughs> I still remember Manning. Bob was joking with me, our. Uh, boss earlier about which receiver is going to make the game-winning catch this year for the Giants in the Super Bowl, and I did not find that funny. <laughs> Tavares King, maybe? He came up big against Washington. Well, you know what? A month from now, when we're back on the show before Giants-Patriots, uh, we'll, we'll preview that more. Yeah, nope. We'll, All right, let's so not let's get ahead of ourselves. About, let's talk about the other NFC game. Uh, Lions at Seahawks, that's Saturday night. I, I kind of think this could be the biggest blowout of the week i don't i mean part of me thinks that detroit may make a run i kind of had a gut feeling about them earlier in the season that was matt stafford playing so well they could maybe be a team that makes that magical run in the playoffs but no one sees coming but they have no running game their defense is you know okay but i don't think they're going to shut down seattle and seattle i think this is maybe the easiest game of the week to pick hmm. yeah i don't i don't know i mean i like matt stafford but they haven't been playing well lately, so I think Seattle's definitely got the advantage, just for the fact that Russell Wilson's been there so many times before, and it seems like they've just got they're just fielding the same team over and over again. Right. But not to mention Seattle's running game has been fairly depleted this year, so that that's, yeah, that's an good. element an element kind of removed from their from their game that is normally the biggest threat. So I don't think it's as easy as people are presuming. I think the spread is. Is eight eight for Detroit? Well, eight in favor of Seattle, or ten? I'm, I don't remember. But seven and Seattle, seven and a half it was. Okay, so you know, obviously Seattle is pretty heavily favored, but I think it'll be closer than people think. Yeah, no, I agree with you, David. I I think Seattle is a team that's kind of going through an identity crisis now. They're not the sky's not falling for them, but they're a lot worse off than when they had Marshawn Lynch. I think that's not just because he's a really great player, but they their whole offense was constructed about around being a run-first team and then passing through the run, and now they don't really have much of a running game, which means more of the burdens on Russell Wilson. And as bad or as inconsistent as the Detroit Lions have been the entire season, you guys, they've been great in close games, and if neither team can run and this has to turn into a shootout, I kind of would prefer Stafford, who has four receivers 
with 500 receiving yards or more. And Anquan Bolden, still in the league, people forget, has eight receptions, I mean, eight receiving TDs. So I think that people will be very surprised and kind of fall asleep on this game and wake up in the fourth quarter and ask, what what happened? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I know that that's true. I definitely don't think the Seattle team is as good as they've been in the past because, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson is still there and he's still really good. But like you said, they don't have the same running game. The offensive line is really weak. And even the defense, especially without Earl Thomas, isn't going to be as good. And that's why I, I, I'm not going to pick Seattle to go too far in the playoffs. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I, I just think that Matt Stafford and the I like Matt Stafford a lot, too. I think that he's in the MVP race as well. But neither of these teams has a running game. And Matt Stafford's going to have to throw a lot. He can make some turn, throw some turnovers. And I, I think the Seattle defense in Seattle, a place he's going to be going nuts, is just just too much for a Detroit team without a ton of playoff experience. Does, does it have anything to do with the fact that just it's the Lions and you can't even picture them advancing in the playoffs, never mind being in it? No, no. I actually, like I said, earlier in the season, I kind of thought that this could be the year the Lions finally win a playoff game. It would be the first time in like 20 years. But the fact that they have to go to Seattle, I just think that's a, that's a really bad matchup for a team that doesn't have a running game. Because when you're on the road in the playoffs, you want to at least have some semblance of a running game, so you have to throw the ball all the time. But, I mean, they, they really have nothing. I know Zach Zender did kind of good last week, but I'm, I just think the Seattle defense is going to be too much for Detroit's offense. And I think Russell Wilson will come out and have a big game. Reed, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm having a little trouble getting over the fact that it's the Lions. I knew it. It's, Someone it's, had yeah. to. It's the same way in the AFC for the Dolphins, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But you mentioned Zach Zenner. He had some success against the Packers. Defense, completely different defense from what Seattle has, even without Earl Thomas. Um, so it, I think I just don't think Detroit's strengths match up well against Seattle's weaknesses. Um, so that's, I, that's I think that'll give put it. I think that'll give Detroit a little bit of trouble. I also think that just it's the mentality of the Seahawks. Now they're not an elite team, but I feel as many of the players within the locker room still act as if they are. With everyone from Richard Sherman saying that he's not talking to the media anymore to that kind of that kind of loose attitude they have, which is great. You know, Pete Carroll's always been that type of coach. The players run the locker room, but I feel that that can kind of backfire if they come into this game just like you, Tom, thinking, "Oh, we have this. We're in Seattle." Legion of Boom, even though they don't have many of the pieces that make them the boom that won them a Super Bowl, they could come in and all of a sudden maybe game gets close and they kind of tighten up and choke this game away. I could definitely see that happening is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions win, but I just think looking at these four games, this I mean, maybe Steelers-Dolphins, but I think maybe this is kind of, at least in my mind, the most sure thing because we talked about Giants Packs is going to be tough. Texans-Raiders is just such a match to knows, so... That's the only reason I said that I think this is the easiest game to pick, more so because of the other games than, than I think this being such a blowout. So my official pick is going to be 24-17 Seattle. I'll go 30-23 I'll go Seattle. I think it'll go into the fourth quarter looking like it's all wrapped up. And then I think Matt Safford will get a little bit, a little bit of something going. I think it'll just be a little too little too late for Matt Safford and the Lions. I have the Detroit Lions winning 34-27. Wow. Yep. 34 points in Seattle? I think, again, I think that you're going to be as shocked as the Seattle defense. They don't have Thomas, who's a real big factor on that team. I think Sherman's starting to kind of decline in his career, 
And I really love Stafford as a quarterback. I think he's very talented, and I think he has a great receiving core that people forget about sometimes. And the playoffs are different. Certain types of players show up in the playoffs, and we really haven't seen the Lions in the playoffs yet. So who knows? Maybe they're Giants-esque in the sense, or he's Eli-esque in the sense that big stages bring about his best games. Yeah. Little finger glove will pull it off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's move over to the AFC. First game is that wonderful, wonderful Raiders-Texans game yeah. on Saturday afternoon, 4.30. Oh it's going to be Brock Osweiler against Connor Cook, just like everyone wanted to see a little rematch the game in Mexico City. This is going to be an electric game. I think if this quarterback matchup was happening in college football, I still would be turned off to it. That's how disappointing. Oh, it's these a good guys college are. matchup. It's a great college matchup. I think I think that's even stretching it, and the fact that we didn't even have to have that qu- argument it should show you how uh, boring this game's going to be. That being said, what makes a game exciting isn't always how good the players are; it's how close the game is. And even if the game may be ugly, it could end up being a close game, which would then make it worthwhile watching. I guess it's only four playoff games this week. We could do it. Now, the craziest thing to me with this game is that going into week 17, it was going to be Tom Savage against Matt McGloin. And now we just yeah. completely scrap it and say, all right, it's going to be Osweiler and Connor Cook. So that's what everyone's talking about. But um, people aren't realizing how good the Houston Texans defense is this year, even without J.J. Watt. They're giving up the least yards per game in the NFL. Yeah, no. And Clowney. So, Clowney has really finally emerged. Yeah, he's really yeah. come into his own this year. And then on Oakland's side... They haven't had the great team stats, but I feel like guys like Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin are just feasting off the idea of facing Brock Osweiler. So I think it'll definitely be a you know defensive stalemate. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a low-scoring game, but I'm I'm going to throw this out there: any chance that Connor Cook is the next Tom Brady just gets thrown in and kind of kind of goes off? That would not make him Tom Brady. There's a lot of things you have to do to become the next Tom Brady. That might make I don't him know. Him. Uh, uh, quarterback. I think that's kind of blasphemous, Tom. I think. No, I'm, I'm just, I think. I think. I, you guys all make really good points, though. I think the Raiders. This I feel so bad for them because Carr was arguably an MVP candidate up until he all of a sudden, he, of course, he breaks his leg right going into the playoffs, and all of a sudden the Raiders go from thinking that they actually have a chance to actually to make a Super Bowl to. Okay, let's look forward to next year. That being said, their defense is good, but Houston's defense is better. And since both quarterbacks, I know Oswald is a quote-unquote starter, but he's the biggest free agent signing bust of this season. So I would consider him a low-end backup to a decent backup who has a starting role. So if it's a defensive battle, I'm with David in saying that the Texans' defense is way better than the Raiders, even if the Raiders is pretty good. and. So it's going to be an ugly game. I, I can I give my score. Are we giving scores yet, real quick? I just like I, yeah, you can go ahead. I think the game's going to be fourteen to eight, something like that. Like some kind of Ooh. weird, weird score. I feel like the Texans are going to get a safety, or the, or the Raiders are going to get a safety. I, I have the Texans winning. Raiders get a safety. It's going to be a weird game, in which we're going to walk away from with a winner, but we're going to feel like as an audience we lost. Okay. People forget that the Houston Texans have some weapons on offense. Lamar Miller, DeAndre people Hopkins, Will Fuller. Deion, people forget about DeAndre Hopkins because he had such a, you know, he disappeared this year for my fantasy team especially. But this is not a bad football team. But I have said that 
going in, like the Houston Texans, when you see like their score line or whatever it is, when you, a clip of them plays when you're watching some other game, you just think to yourself, these guys are really bad. And then you look at the numbers, and they're really not that bad. Um, Why would they put Osweiler back in, though? You talk about Hopkins being such a weapon. When Savage came in, well, Savage all of a sudden he was starting to start. No, I know, I know, but obviously, I'm not talking about arguing for Savage. I'm talking about putting Osweiler back in. He's obviously shown that he can't get those weapons the ball. So why not take a risk on the backup quarterback or something like that? Like why put him back? Well, I think in? that's because Brandon Weeden. Yeah, Brandon Weeden's not going to do anything. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's my expectations, but I can't believe Weeden would be any worse than Osweiler. I just think that. I don't know. Brandon Weeden is like the worst ever. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll stand by Osweiler for that. So for score prediction, score prediction, I'm gonna go. Reed, I'm gonna say it's gonna be another weird one. I'm gonna go 16-3, Houston. Oh wow! Yeah, I yeah. really. That's a blowout though. That's a even though it's a low scoring game, you call them. That's a 14 point. Or not, well, I mean, the, the Raiders spread. couldn't even get in the end zone last week against Denver, and they had a lot to play for. Which actually, side note, I mean, being on tangent, might be way more of a case for Carr as an MVP candidate. I mean, if Prey's being considered after missing four games, he only missed one game. I mean, I'm just saying, he's very yeah, valuable he's to that team. So then, does that rule out Tom Brady for MVP? Oh, we're not going to get into this Is discussion. Is that an official guys. ruling out Tom Brady? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I think a lot of people are ruling out Carr for that reason, and I and not Brady. And if I'm being completely unbiased, I'm just saying if one guy misses one game and the other misses four, how is it fair to to take one out if not the other and they're not taking Brady out so I'm more of an argument to incorporate Carr well just net effect on the team is what I was going for yeah well I don't this discussion going long because I have a lot of, I have a lot of opinions on not let's, only the MVP award the but stuff like that let's but. get back to the game of the year Raiders Texans I think it's going to be a little higher scoring than you guys think I'm going 22-16 Texans uh, I, I think that whenever there's a game like this that everyone says oh, it's going to be so low scoring, or oh, it's going to be so high scoring. It's just not as extreme as people think. So I do think the Texans will win because, I mean, Connor Cook, I was joking around. The only reason I say is, though, I mean, Matt McGloin we know is terrible. Connor Cook we really haven't seen in the NFL outside of briefly, briefly last week, so maybe he is pretty good, but I'm going to bet that he's not. I think Bill O'Brien is a really good coach. The Texans defense is good enough. And, you know, at home, I just don't see the Raiders really doing enough anywhere without Derek Carr. So I'm, I'm taking 22-16 Houston, and I, I can't wait to watch every second of this one. <laughs> All right. The final game of the week, Steelers home against the Dolphins Sunday at 1 o'clock. Matt Moore playing for Miami. What do you guys think? <sighs> um, I think that this game, if the Steelers lose – could be Tomlin's last game as their head coach. Probably not, but will be. it will be in the discussion because I don't understand how the Steelers are in this position. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best receivers in the league, arguably the best running back in the league. They have a coach who has a Super Bowl. They have the culture. They have a weak AFC, and yet they're going to go against the Dolphins and not even favored to make the Super Bowl. I wonder what's missing here. I think that this game would be a lot more exciting if Tannehill were in, but David said earlier, Moore has proven or at least shown he can be serviceable behind center, so that being said, this game is going to be a lot more exciting than the one we just discussed. Yeah, um, I think the Steelers are definitely favored like we've, like we've gone over a little bit, but 
I think it'll be a decent football game. I don't know how Miami will handle playing in Pittsburgh. It's a pretty hostile environment. It's going to be pretty cold, I would assume. But people are ruling the Dolphins out. And like you mentioned with the Lions, I think it's just because of the Dolphins and people have trouble taking them seriously. They've been a really, really good football team all year. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the weakness of the Steelers' defense is their rushing defense. And you look at Jay Ajayi, who's been really good. He has a bunch of 200-yard rushing games. I know he's been better at home, but you could kind of rely on him a little bit. Matt Moore, he could be better than Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if this is as much of a backup from, you know, definitely not as big of a drop-off as it is from Derek Carr to... uh, Tannehill was playing pretty well before he he got injured. I mean... Yeah, he was playing pretty well. It's not really a knock on Tannehill as much as it is, though I think Matt Moore is kind of a serviceable quarterback. I mean, they're not going to win the Super Bowl with him, but I think Matt Moore, you know, he's a veteran and he's he's decent enough where I think he will keep them in it. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I just think the Steelers have too many weapons, even on defense as well. You know, Ryan Shazier could be one of the very best linebackers in football, and I think he'll give the Dolphins' offense a little bit of trouble. Yeah, this game would be very, very interesting if it were in Miami, but yeah, the Dolphins they beat are the Steelers in Miami earlier. This year. Yeah, and and they're a very good home team. I think part of that's also the fact that they are in the city of Miami. You know, players go out, celebrate. You know, they. It, it, Anyway, that's yeah. a side note. But what I'm trying to say is that Dolphins are really bad at traveling and even worse traveling up into the cold, and that's what exactly what they're going to be doing without their star quarterback or at least starting quarterback on the road in a cold environment. They already would have been a coin flip game at home. I have to put give the Steelers the edge just because of all the talent I mentioned they had and the fact that they are at home. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the Steelers too. I think that I mean the Steelers have maybe not statistically, but I mean talent-wise, the best offense in football. I mean Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. You can make the argument that Bell is the best or second best. He's definitely a top three running back. Antonio Brown, a top three wide receiver, and Big Ben bits his three Super Bowls, won two of them. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean that offense is loaded, right? I think it'll be a close game. I think this could be actually, as I said before, that this could be one of the blowouts along with Lions Seahawks. But the more I think about it, I think it's going to be a really close and exciting game. I'm going to say Steelers win 26 to 20. Huh. How do you get to 26? Well, Mike Tomlin's always going for two. That's coming out. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even consider that. So, Reed, you, you go before me because now I can't. i, I got to rethink <laughs> the whole thing. I have, I have the Steelers winning pretty handedly 24-10. to 10. I just think that they're going to – Do you think their defense is good enough to hold Miami down that much? Yeah, I, I really don't trust this Dolphins offense in the cold, honestly, with the, without their starting quarterback as well. I just – even if the defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers isn't elite or very good, I think that – the Steelers' offense is going to get up early on the board and that the Dolphins' offense is then going to try and keep up with them and, and do too much and, and end up turning the ball over a lot. So a, a lot of yards they're going to allow the Steelers' defense, but I see them also actually having a good amount of turnovers as well. I'll go I'll go 28, but not the way you think they get to it. They're not like four <laughs> touchdowns. It'll be like a weird mix of like not getting to and getting to. Gotcha. I'll go 28-16. All right, so we're all in a, we're pretty much all in agreement on every game, right? Outside of except Reed with the Lions. All right, so let's kind of open it up 
We've got about a little less than 10 minutes left. Kind of go quickly through the rest of the playoffs. This, we don't have to go through round by round, but we'll start with the conference championship. Who do you think is in the conference championship in each conference? I'll start. In the AFC, I think it'll definitely be New England. They're pretty much a lot. And then that Pittsburgh-Kansas City game could be one of the most exciting games of the playoffs. And I'm going to say I'm gonna say Pittsburgh, yes. So I'm going to say it's a New England-Pittsburgh AFC championship. Wow. And what about you guys? I'll go, I'll go New England-Kansas City because I don't think Pittsburgh can win in Kansas City. Kansas City is underratedly probably, the, I would say, a top three home field advantage in the NFL. Yeah, so I'll go Kansas yeah. City. Yeah, no, I think the AFC is really top-heavy with really only two good teams. I think Kansas City is really under—I mean, it's underrated. They're underrated even though they have a bye, even though I, I have them going against New England too just because New England, even if they weren't as good as they are, have the easiest path to the AFC championship. Yeah. So yeah, I, they're I, either facing Connor Cook, Brock Osweiler, or Matt Moore at home in the divisional round. So they're that's the lock that we're Yeah, I could. I mean, I could get try and get cute and say, "Oh, I think Miami," or "I think this or that." But no, I think it's really just going to be what we expect it to be with New England, Kansas City. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so look at the NFC. It's the, the NFC is so hard to pick because there's part of me that just thinks the Giants are gonna. You know, kind of go to the Super Bowl, but if I, I think, but I think Giants Packers South. I think whoever wins Giants Packers is going to play at Atlanta for the AFC Championship or the NFC Championship. Okay, that, I mean that's a really interesting thought. I just think Dallas might pull one out against the Giants, so I'm going to say. I don't know. I'm going to say Dallas, it, I hate to pick all one and twos, but I'm going to be straight with it. I think it's going to be Dallas-Atlanta. I, I just don't see the Giants beating Dallas for a third time. I, I, don't, I think Dallas is going to lose in the divisional rounds. I really do. I know they're really good, and I guess we can't keep downing them all season, but I just maybe it's a gut feeling. I don't think they're getting to the Super Bowl. I think that they're going to get – offended by a hot team, and I think that team's going to be whoever wins, the Giants or the Packers. And I think Atlanta is underrated. They're kind of my dark horse in the NFC. Like they're still, I mean, they're a two-seed, but I think they'll beat Seattle. I still, I mean, I did pick the Giants. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm just going to say the Giants get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC because why not? I, I saw it all season, but if not the Giants, then I'm taking the Falcons. Uh. I have, yeah, I think I, I have a lot of confidence in this Giants team. I've talked about extensively my whole theory about this team this year, making it to the Super Bowl. I have them going against the Falcons. The Falcons, people have forgotten about it for some reason. Matt Ryan, another MVP candidate, their offense has been dynamic. So all they need to do is win one game, and that's going to be against either Seattle or Detroit, which is very doable. I don't see why that would be a surprising outcome with, with Giants, Falcons, and then um, Patriots, Kansas City on the other end. Yeah, so I'll go. I'll go Dallas, Atlanta. As much as right, pains me. Who, who do you guys think gets the Super Bowl? New, are we all in agreement? New England in the AFC. Yeah, I'll go New England. Unfortunately, I, I think New England, but it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Just because the Kansas City team is is 
very safe on offense. They don't make many mistakes, and their defense is lethal. And I think that they will be able to get to Brady a couple times, leaving it close. I, I also think the Giants, again, I feel maybe I'm being getting caught up too much in it, but I think this is going to be another magical year for the Giants, at least until they get to the Super Bowl. So it's going to be the trilogy. And the ironic thing about the season will be the first season we don't have Peyton Manning. It's still going to be a Brady-Manning Super Bowl with uh, yeah. the third. the third. I mean, Star Wars is out again, right? Everything, Everyone's doing everything in trilogies. Why not our NFL, right? <laughs> That's true. So that, not a bad point. I think we kind of just determined that it'll definitely be Giants Patriots. Now. It has to. May the force be with them. And then I'll be I'll be the odd man out, and I'll say Pat's Falcons. <laughs> oh, um, I, I love Matt Ryan this year, um, and I feel like I said this. I think it was really early in the year with Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, and Eli. It always seems like it's like a rotation of three years where it's like average, great, and bad. And um, this was Ryan's great year, and he went above and beyond what he normally really is. So Atlanta's been great all year. Matt Ryan's been. He'll probably pull out the MVP, in my opinion. So I'll say New England, Atlanta in the Super Bowl. But I mean, last time the Heat, last time Ryan had his good year, David, they lost and they choke away in the playoffs. So yeah, maybe that'll change. Maybe I think we'll this probably not. Their running game's really good with Freeman and Coleman. You've got Julio. Yeah. The defense, Vic Beasley, could be the defensive player of the year. So I think I'm sticking Giants Patriots, but if not, then I'm taking the Falcons. But Guys, playoff football starts this weekend. I'm excited. It's great to be back. Thanks for joining today, guys. Any last words? Not, not in life on the show. <laughs> let's go Giants. Uh, <laughs> let's go NFL. Yeah, go football. <laughs> go football. Let's go this weekend. Let's go Goodell. <laughs> no, don't let's make Goodell some money this weekend. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining. That is. It for NFL Friday, our first playoff episode, the wild card round. We'll see you guys next week to preview the divisional playoffs. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as we take you around the NFL. We'll see you then. The duck.